Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my daughter and co-host, Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Hello, Lauren. How are you on this snowy day? Uh, I'm good. Dreaming of some sunny spring days ahead. Yeah, this, this has been unusual. Don't like it. Don't like it. I used to like snow uh, until until I grew up and started shoveling and plowing, and now I don't like snow as much. Yeah, it's way more fun to build snowmen than it is to shovel sidewalks. Would you say I'm being selfish? Well, no. <laughs> I no, say I that. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I asked that question because that's today's topic. Aha. Selfishness versus self-care. So am I being selfish because I just don't want to get out there and shovel and I don't care if all the kids can't go sleigh riding and build snowmen and igloos because I'm being selfish, right? <laughs> well, I suppose. I also feel like that's just a normal human reaction as the snowblower of the family. Well, I don't know if that's such a wonderful designation, but I'll take it. Yeah. I am the family's snowblower. <laughs> Among other things. <laughs> I've been called other things. Is right. <laughs> yeah, you've been called worse. <laughs> so we're talking about selfishness. And I, you know, everyone knows about selfishness. If you call someone selfish, they and you know that you're criticizing them because it's not a good thing. What 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 would you say? How would you define or what would you say about selfishness? What is it? Hmm. I would say that selfishness is when you're seeking personal pleasure or profit. So when you are sort of self-seeking, um, maybe you have like viewpoints thinking, you know, everyone around me is here to serve me in some way. And how can I get something out of this? Or how will I benefit from my relationships? I feel like that's kind of, for me, what I think of when I think of someone acting selfishly. Hmm. Yeah. When when you see it or experience it, you, you know it, especially when it's coming from someone else. Mm. Because it, like you say, you know, it's these are people that don't respect other people. They don't respect other people's time. They tend not to listen. Have you ever been at a party where someone goes into a monologue for 20 minutes and just doesn't know when to shut up? Yes. <laughs> mm. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, they're in it to hear their own hear their own stories and their own insights. Mm. People that are truly selfish are almost cut off from that empathetic tendency that humans typically have. It's like you're, they're, they're unable to feel the way they are affecting others. Mm. That, that, that's kind of interesting because basically uh, they're not really tuned into what's going on to the person that they're boring to death. Uh, so if, if any at any point during this podcast, I, I bore you, please jump in and let me know. But, you know, it's funny. There was a study done in Zurich. Uh, I'm bored. No, 
<laughs> Doggone it. I'm going to go back to snow blowing. But there was a study done in, in Zurich about people that, that bore us to death. And what, what they found was that these, these people, these selfish people who are boring, they, they tend to change their own script in their mind. And they tend to not see themselves the way we see them. They actually justify their selfishness and actually build a, kind of a whole case around why their selfishness is justified. So, so these people, you know, they live comfortably in their own narcissism, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, narcissism is definitely, um, you know, a product of selfishness, I would say. Before I ask you to give me your take on that, I just wanted to mention a coffee mug I saw recently. And, and, and it said, do you see that bright thing in the sky? It's the sun. And the earth revolves around the sun, not you. <laughs> I love that. So what do you think about narcissism and narcissists? Narcissists, I would think, um, are people that actually are the opposite of insecure, right? Their security is based on the idea that they know better and that they can do better than others. Is that sort of? Yeah, and they're the, they're the center of the universe. Right. It, it, I guess there could be a seed of insecurity that that spawns that. But but you're right, though. It's it's they're just well, maybe Hollywood people think of celebrities, right? What happens? They, their heads just swell and they become uh, identified with their fame. That's yeah. a narcissistic, grandiose kind of selfishness. You know, we the little people don't matter to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do think I think I remember reading or hearing that narcissists really don't have a, a pulse on empathetic tendencies. Like it, they actually don't really understand others. It's really difficult for them. So hmm. they're sort of stuck in their own world where what they believe is true and other people's input doesn't really sway them one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. I like that they don't have the you know the empathetic connection or is that a sociopath i'm thinking of well a sociopath is is certainly someone who who really can't relate to just about anybody except themselves so i guess a profound selfish person especially one that's a narcissist uh they become sociopathic in that uh, people are objects and mm. they really they really don't have that capacity to relate um because basically they they really are not empathetically related to people. They're using people in various ways for their own aims, which is pure uh, selfishness. Yes. Not that you would ever do that. <laughs> You're a very unselfish person, aren't you? Be careful now because a selfless person has a problem answering that question. <laughs> um, I believe, yeah, I do not think I'm a selfish person. But would you would you agree that everyone to some extent, you know, every once in a while? I don't know. I have a hard time with that because I've worked really hard on um, changing the conditioned patterns of believing we're selfish when we're really not, which I know we're going to get into later. But I sometimes feel like an indulgence of the mind or an indulgence in pleasure is actually a good thing. Hmm. Can we consider selfishness a learned habit? Now, take, for example, an only only children, um, which I am, 
Uh, only children seem to be more prone to a distorted self-perception, you know, especially if they're, they're, you know, kind of doted on by parents and parents that make them feel they are the center of their universe. So only children tend to have that spotlight on them to the point where they, they can develop a distorted self-perception. Now compare that to a, a child who has six siblings where, you know, certainly you're not the center of the universe anymore. You're just one that has to learn to share and put up with and all that other stuff that comes with relating. But uh, it's not just, this isn't just about only children, obviously. But I have to say personally that I, I, I did and do have to work on that reflex of, of just not uh, feeling, you know, like I'm this, the sun center of the universe. Uh, boy, am I getting neurotically pelted by myself today yeah <laughs> uh, yeah but that I, I think that that is a an honest reflection because how could it how could you not be conditioned to expect certain things if your entire childhood revolved around you so I think like our conditioning from when we're kids you know bringing awareness to that and being able to um, notice the things that are like triggers for you is is very evolved of you well thank you uh and i shall accept that that accolade however mm. <laughs> i i'm i'm italian and uh italians traditionally would grow up with the Sunday pasta meal. Mm -hmm. And every Sunday we'd go to grandma's and we'd have this wonderful spaghetti and meatball dinner. And my cousin Celeste would be there. And she would it kind of sarcastically refer to me as El Rey, the king, because in an Italian family, the boys are treated quite differently. Oh, this is going back now. I'm sure things are different today. But the boy was always held in, in kind of a higher esteem. And, and uh, so my cousin Celeste, she, she would, to this day, she, every time I, I kind of show any sign of self-care, she, she'll point out right away, up oh, here comes El Rey. <laughs> so you, you used to go to those meals, do you remember? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Loved Pasta Sunday. Whatever happened to Pasta Sunday? We got to bring that back. <laughs> um, well, uh, although too, selfishly, I, I do not want to be the one to cook it. So. I was just going to say, don't look at me. I'm much, much more selfish than that. Oh my goodness! Uh, to, 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 because that that did require a very, very selfless kind of effort my aunt would my aunt was the cook and she would get up early in the morning and start that pop pot going with the sauce and mm -hmm. you know, their pleasure was to to really entertain feed love get together it, it was just very very valuable i'm sure uh this was not a labor of uh anything other than love yeah when I met my now husband, I started to realize I had I have a selfless tendency, which is to sort of give more than I take. Um, and my husband gets so much joy out of like giving and caring that I started to selflessly accept all of his giving. And now it's like it's like a selfless act for me to be a little selfish. Now, wait, that makes sense. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. 
<laughs> so now my, my mind is just spinning here. So, so he does all these wonderful things. God bless your husband. Mm -hmm. And you have selflessly allowed yourself to <laughs> indulge in all these things. Do you think it might be a little selfish to allow yourself to become selfless? In this? Well, yeah, this is what I ask myself, but I don't know. He gets joy out of being out of being selfless. So I don't know. I guess I have to dig into that a little more. But now we're both sounding neurotic. <laughs> we have a lot to, to uncover here. Maybe, maybe by the end of this podcast, we'll work it all out. But but no, but I do hear what you're saying, because you there are givers and there are takers. And you were certainly, ever since you were born, were and are a giver. So I could see where just sitting back and allowing yourself to take, uh, it's, it's a unique place for you to be. And no, I, I totally understand that because I'm a taker. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Deep down I am. <laughs> I, I'm a taker. Uh, so you know, let's let's now we've been going over the negative aspect of selfishness, and certainly, like I said in the opening, uh, when when we say someone's selfish, we're, we're criticizing them. We we say that in a critical way that being selfish is abhorrent. We don't like selfish people. So let's let's flip the coin now. When when is it okay, or I should let's be fair, or is it okay? to be selfish. But before we could even apply that, we have to have more of an adaptive concept than selfish, because that has the negative connotation. So we can have self-respect, self-care, self-love. But keep in mind, if, if we call it self, we're going to decide you and I, but if we call it self-love, I'm not talking about falling in love with yourself. You get the, the difference there? <laughs> Got it. Yes. <laughs> okay. So which of those do you prefer we go on with self-care, self-respect or self-love? I kind of like all three of them. <laughs> <You're> so selfish. <laughs> oh, the because selfishness is also being greedy. Yeah. Do you ever hear, I know you're, you're into all this Zen stuff. Do you ever hear this story? I don't know if it's a Zen story or an actual story about the monkey that puts its hand in the, in the jar to try to get the fruit at the bottom or the nuts at what's in the jar. Do you ever hear that story? It sounds familiar, but I don't remember how it yeah. goes. Supposedly, this is this is how they trap monkeys, and 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 you don't see this every day because we don't have many monkeys around. But basically, they put a, a little hole in a gourd, and they put bait in the bottom, whether it's fruit or nuts or something. So the monkey comes along, sticks its hand in the small hole, and grabs a whole fistful of all of this stuff in a you know in a kind of a greedy way but now can't get the hand out of the hole because he's got a big fist full of the goodies. And this is how the hunters come and find the, uh, the trapped monkey because the monkey was too greedy. So now, but I don't know what, what brought on the monkeys, but I think it has to do with uh, being greedy with self-care and self-love and all of that. Yeah. So and you, I guess, I guess it's the indulgent piece we were talking about. Like, so there's something about being selfish that's being overly indulgent to the point where you're not taking responsibility for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Not taking responsibility. You have to be somewhat conscious, don't you? To, to know yeah, because I think with self-love, self-care, self-respect, <laughs> all three of those, uh, you you have a responsibility to actually care for 
for all of those parts of you. Like mm. you are, you are in charge of your own energy and of your own well-being. And so there really is a responsibility to care for yourself the same way you would care for others. Yeah, that's like what Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true. We need to we need to take care of ourselves. I mean, doesn't doesn't love emanate from someone who who is able to self-love? I mean, I've always heard that. Do you, do you subscribe to that? That if you can't love yourself, it's hard or impossible to truly love someone else. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, knowing true love and true joy is really the only way that you're actually able to give it to yeah. others. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm thinking of Oscar Wilde. He, 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 he had a, a, a quote, something like, uh, I'm going to probably mess it up, but he said, a, a, a red rose is not selfish because it wants to be a red rose. It's only selfish if it wants all the other flowers in the garden to be both red and roses. Uh, so if you're a red rose, you really need to embrace your redness, don't you? And your roseness. Uh, so we have to we have to kind of come to who we need to be and who we are. Not an easy thing, obviously. But do you understand what I say about embracing your redness and being true to that redness? Yeah, absolutely. And and protecting it, too. I think if we don't take time to really know who we are and protect that energy that makes us whole, then it will become depleted and we can't be who we are in the world which kind of defeats the purpose of trying to give to others. If you're trying to give from a place of depletion, there's really nothing to share. Yeah, um, because then what happens if you're trying to give from a place of depletion, then what comes out of you is, is it's, it's got to be somewhat distorted, doesn't it? Yeah, I would, absolutely. I would, I would guess. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because this, this idea of giving from the overflow of your cup. So you fill your cup up with self-care and, and it overflows so that you can give to others. I have actually really practiced that metaphor the last couple of years and, and kind of experimented with it a little bit. And I found how powerful it is because I'm learning that often by being in your full presence, you wind up giving way more than if you are just, um, you know, showing up to give and give and give without being fully present. And so when you actually do build yourself up and allow yourself to be completely present with no resistance, holding you back in a moment, um, people can receive so much more than if it's just a matter of you showing up all the time and giving because the more you give, the better. I actually don't believe that's true. I think it's more about um, how you give than what you give. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, did, are you saying that you first need to fill up your cup and yeah. then let it overflow beyond that to others? Right. I think it's important to, to figure out what the things are that make you feel whole and energized and recharged and really, truly give yourself those things, even if it means missing out on certain opportunities that you either might enjoy or you feel like you should be there for other people mm. i think that figuring out the balance of what you need to become fully whole and present is the best gift you can give to yourself and to others and i know like one little 
experiment that I've done, sort of a social experiment as a teacher, is I used to, my first couple of years of teaching, I used to put in endless hours uh, just planning lessons. I'd be up all night and, you know, just trying to show up with a little overtired, a little bit stressed, and just trying my best to show my best work and my best effort and trying to get responses from the kids. And it worked okay. I definitely got by. And then I started to realize that it wasn't important how much I had to give in terms of worksheets and slideshows and music and whatever it was. It didn't matter. What what mattered were the days where I showed up to work and where I was truly free and clear and fully energized. And my presence, my full presence is what would have leave an impact on the kids. And it, it was, it, it's, it really is important important to sort of like try that out for yourself. And I think once you feel, you you can really feel the effect. And once you feel the effect of your full presence, you'll realize you don't have to give all the time. You just give when you are prepared to give and it makes a bigger impact than when you just give, 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 give. Yeah, I'm not feeling my presence, but <laughs> uh, you're right. The give, 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 give. There's a um, a danger, not not you're talking about a wholesome being present and giving, which brings out the best in you for others as well. But there is there is the kind of person that uh, is is let's call it pathological uh, altruism, where they they give beyond their. Well, what I'm saying is they give too much. They, they, they're giving so much that they ignore themselves, they deplete themselves, uh, they live in the service of others in such a selfless manner that they're not really taking care of themselves. And, and, and it is a term, it's called pathological altruism, where, where, where someone neglects their own health, their own needs, uh, in order to give, 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 give. So certainly we're not talking about that. We're talking about altruism where where and i like your metaphor because i think it really works you fill up your cup and then it begins to overflow onto others because if you fill up your cup like i'm prone to do and and, and just pour it into another bigger cup <laughs> it doesn't flow over so you're saying fill up your cup know what your cup is and let the rest of that energy flow outward beyond you because that's the antithesis of selfishness is to reach out and and give to others yeah, I, I think that's the most powerful and efficient way to serve others is to show up with your overflowed cup. <laughs> and, and, you know, when we say self-care, self-love, self-respect, we're talking about psychological self-love, physical, emotional, diet. So well, let's talk about some of the ways that we should and need to self-care and We'll start any way you want. We could talk with uh, diet, exercise, uh, emotions. Where would you like to go with that? Yeah, I think it's different for everybody. Um, I know that there's like five pillars of health and wellness, which are your physical health, which would be getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, um, taking your vitamins, that sort of thing. There's your mindset, sort of taking care of your outlook and the way you think about the world, looking for the positives versus the negatives. There is your emotional well-being, managing the big difficult emotions, allowing them to flow. 
there is the social aspect, which obviously is a little bit difficult for people now, but making sure you're getting quality social interaction as opposed to just showing up for things because you feel like you have to. And the other one is purpose, like a feeling of belonging. So any one of those things might need uh, attention. Mm -hmm. Very well said. I'm thinking about, for some reason, I'm, I'm hungry, so I'm thinking about food. Uh, one, one of the more difficult things we have when it comes to self-care is, you know, especially in our, in this bountiful country that we live in, is, is really that we tend to overindulge. And it, it has, the, it feels like self-love when we give ourselves these sweet desserts and all this kind of stuff. But it's really a form of self-destructiveness, isn't it? So that's, you know, it's it's not self-love if you're not taking responsibility. And I'm not sure where, where I'm going with this, but it just seems that self-care sometimes seems to be, you know, the opposite of, of just loving ourselves enough to want to treat ourselves to goodies. Help me out with that. Yeah, I think true self-love is has a bit of discipline in it as well. It's not all indulgent. Yeah, that's it. It's it's sort of like knowing, yep. it's almost like raising a child within yourself, knowing what the limits are and holding the boundaries for yourself is a form of love, just like it is for a small child who, you know, can't hold those boundaries for themselves. So you actually have to define that within yourself and be your own caretaker is really what self-love is. It's an unconditional, non-judgmental way of giving yourself what you truly need, not what you want, but what you really need to mm -hmm. refill and recharge. That's that's what I was trying to get at. And and you're right, it's it's there's that child, that impulsive child who wants what it wants when it wants it. And usually that has to do with indulgent things. And we we live to eat rather than eat to live. So self-care on a physical level isn't necessarily pleasant because we have to have the self-discipline to do what we know is best for our bodies. So self-care isn't, isn't just being kind and nice to ourselves. It's also doing what's right to preserve. I mean, the body's the, the temple, right? The temple of the soul. And, and, and if we are not being responsible to our bodies, then we are being indulgent and acting like children, really, because what does a child like to eat? And does a child know any bounds when it comes to impulsivity? Of course not. But you look at adults at a restaurant eating these thousands and thousands of calories just for the indulgent feeling that we get from the high of those foods. So we need to really eat to live. And, and I think that's a hard thing for a lot of people, but that truly is self-care. Just And this goes along with exercise. And you and I are both uh, big into exercise. And it's not always easy to exercise, but we do it for many reasons. Now, what would be a, a self-loving reason to exercise? I know it's rather obvious, but you tell me. For me, it's actually, I think, the endorphins, like the way it makes me feel. So I know that I can approach my day in a better way. I also get better sleep when I exercise. So I just know overall, I mean, for me, it used to be, I want to exercise so I can look good. Um, and it's evolved over time as I've learned to really find this true essence of self-love or self-respect, which is I, I want to be able to live my life in a way that, you know, allows me to be 
fully alive and present and exercise and eating well and sleeping well, those are all things that allow you to exist in the world at your full capacity. Hmm. Yeah, see, I, I, I approach exercise in, in a selfish way because I'm an only child. <laughs> and so being selfish, uh, I make myself get out and run just about every day and exercise. And the reason I do it selfishly so, and I admit it, is because I want to live to be 300 years old. Mm. I'm greedy. I'm like, a... I'm like the monkey with my hand in the gourd. You know? No, that's selfless too, because we want you around for another 200 years <laughs> if we can live to see it. Two, when I said 300, when you just knocked off 100 years. No, I just added a bunch of years onto your life and then subtracted. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not very good at math. I'm thinking of an example of somebody who's overworked, let's say, and has been at work for so many hours and they're exhausted and depleted. And then their you know, friends from work are going out for happy hour on that Friday. It might feel like like the right thing to do is to go out and have some fun, but you have to also sort of um, balance that with what is it that you really need? And and maybe it is social interaction and, and having some fun after a long week of work, but it also might be just going home and, and resting and recharging. So I think we often have to ask ourselves those questions, like, what is it that I really need? Because our impulses will kind of sometime overshadow that. And then we get pulled in different directions. And I think that taking a moment to check in with yourself and asking, what is the thing right now that's going to serve me? Yeah, that's, that's excellent advice. It really is to just, you know, to, to really just take a step back and reflect on that, what, what serves me, what hurts me. Um, because you're right, uh, impulses do tend to lead the way quite often. But the more responsible, and let's use the word in quotes, the more mature adult, uh, tends to reflect and ask that question, or at least should begin to ask that question. So I, I think that's that's an excellent piece of advice to to really check our impulses against really what serves us and what hurts us. Very good. Yeah. So let's go to the other aspect, which is we have the physical, uh, taking care of our bodies, and and that includes the exercise and the eating and the self-discipline and all of that. But let's let's talk a little bit about the emotional self-care. What are different ways? And I know knowing you will at some point we'll get into being present, but what are the ways that we can protect ourselves, care about ourselves emotionally and, uh, and demonstrate that in a more disciplined way? Mm. I think that different tools work differently for everybody, but the one thing that I think is consistent among all people is that we have to give ourselves time to feel, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, but in this crazy busy world we live in, we often don't actually experience our emotions as they're happening. We kind of like bottle them down so that we can power through the day and get through our to-do list and everything we need. So often we don't actually even know what we're feeling or why we're feeling it. So I do think that everybody can benefit from some alone time or some time for reflection where they're not distracted to sort of check in and see what what are the emotions because otherwise there's not it's it's difficult to choose a tool when you don't actually know what the tool is trying to to fix or help so i think having some moments of quiet reflection whether it's journaling meditating praying exercising in silence whatever it is that can get you in touch with what's really happening is an act of self-care. Giving yourself that time just for reflection is, is really powerful. Yeah. 
You're, yeah, and you're absolutely right. Uh, giving yourself time. We we live in a, a doing society, a multitasking, do 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 do, accomplish, go here, do that. Uh, you were just we're just keeping pace with a culture that seems to be, uh, you know, almost like a carrot that we could never really catch up to. And we need to slow down time. Uh, it's, you know, time itself, of course, it's just a concept. But uh, I always tell people, and, and, and I know patients have a hard time with this when I say, you really have to learn to waste time. And, and you know, people look at me, what do you mean waste time? You know, we're so just driven by by doing and succeeding. How do you waste time? Well, the thing is that you really can't waste time because if you sit down and watch the clouds, are you really wasting time or are you relaxing? Or are you just stepping out of the to-do world and entering another world of leisure and relaxation? See, so we tend to we tend to use that word kind of uh, casually. Uh, I don't want to waste time as if sitting down and reading a book or watching a TV show or watching the clouds as if that's going against, you know, what we should be doing. Right. So, but sorry to interject. I would say the only way that you can truly waste time is to be doing something like reading a book or just sitting on a park bench while your mind is simultaneously thinking that you shouldn't be doing it. So if you're trying to relax and you're not allowing yourself to be present with that relaxation and you're feeling like, well, I really should be doing something for work or I should be working out, um, then you truly are wasting those moments. Lauren, you're so brilliant. Oh, thanks, Dad. She was. <laughs> that, that, you know what? Uh, now I have to go back to all the people I told to waste time. I didn't give them the full equation. <laughs> Lauren, that, that is really brilliant. You're right. So, so there is a case for wasting time. And I now I totally agree. I never thought I can't believe <laughs> it's if if I'm if I'm watching the clouds and and I'm saying, but I should be doing those darn bills, then then I'm neither watching the clouds nor doing the bills. I'm in this waste yep. vice. And it's a vice that's pressing on me. So I I I'm I'm just very very impressed, Lauren. I tell you, or or maybe I'm being selfish now, and I'm impressed because I'm thinking now. How did I teach her to be so brilliant? I must have been a, <laughs> I must have been this wonderful narcissistic parent that just. <laughs> well, you are a wonderful non-narcissistic parent. <laughs> Speaking of parents, though, I was thinking as you were talking earlier that one. I, you know, I'm not a parent myself, but a lot of my friends have recently become mothers. And I notice that they've shared a lot about how it's really difficult to maintain their identity and their self care while also caring for a child. And I think that it's it's an interesting paradigm because we're sort of taught that in order to be a good parent, or I could think it would work also being a good partner, being a good friend, whatever it is, we're taught that we have to give everything of ourselves for the other person. And it's kind of this like cultural norm that if you're a mother, then you have to make sure that you're doing all of the things to care for your child before you care for yourself, which of course you never get to care for yourself in that case, because the child needs constant care. And so I think that one thing people need to remember is that by taking time to self-care and to actually take moments away from that 
guilt of needing to always give by giving to yourself and taking time to truly um, care for who you are. It's actually an incredible gift to give to your children or to whoever else might be in your life. It's, it's a gift of modeling how self-care is important. It actually teaches that next generation that, hey, this is a skill that I need and that one day you will need. And so I think that it's, it's important for people to remove the guilt for needing time for self. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. You, you talk about parents um, and, and this, I, I, and I'm not trying to co- contradict you. And I don't think, I think this is a contradiction, but you talked earlier about filling up your, your glass. And then once it overflows, you, you are now in a place to offer your best to the world. A parent with a child, Oftentimes, isn't it the case that the parent really has to give more of themselves before that glass gets filled up, that parents sometimes will do without, will will face depletion and do it all in order to protect that child. So there are exceptions to to functioning in a depleted, you know, where that cup isn't filled up, where we we do it for the right reasons for that child. Do, Do you kind of see I see what you're saying, yes, but I don't oh, completely agree. I think that there are, of course, there are times where you have to give more than you can replenish. But I think from from a day-to-day sort of perspective, I think as a goal, I think that even people that are stretched thin for time and are considered the primary caretaker, I still think that it is incredibly important for those people to find even small moments of self-care, even if it's just a few moments a day where you're breathing deeply and you're stretching and you're drinking water and eating healthy food and finding like a moment or two to do something that just feels good. Like, I, I think that even even if it's more limited than a single person that has tons of time um, would maybe engage in something more, you know, time consuming. Um, I still think that those things are beyond important. You mentioned earlier about your husband who who does all these wonderful things for you and and you you tend to do nothing but fill your mug. Is is that <laughs> <laughs> that is not accurate. <laughs> Oh, I don't, I'm just wondering, but uh, no, you are, you are, you are a, a, a giver at heart and, and, and learning to give and take, I think is a good balance for all of us. Um, I think we do need to be cognizant. It's a nice word hmm. of uh, self-love, self-care, self-respect, uh, all that kind of stuff. But let me ask you a question. When, when does the self-love, self-care, self-respect cross over? Is there, is there a line where you go from taking care of yourself into narcissism or narcissistic behavior? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess in some ways it would be if you're exclusively focused on yourself and not others. So I think that when you engage in self-care for the purpose of becoming the best version of yourself to present to the world, that is actually an altruistic undertaking. So you are taking time, you're taking pleasure, you're taking whatever it is that you need to fill yourself up to the point where you can overflow and then share with the world and sort of create that um, energetic peace with others. Um, that, That I think is the perfect 
way to engage in self-care. But if you are, you know, kind of negating that point and you're exclusively focused on the indulgence piece mm. um, for self, 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 mind, 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 like that, I think that probably is where it, it. Mm-hmm. Well, well, let me, let me just ask this then. So my, my feeling about going out and shoveling the snow and, and when I say the hell with every, every child that wants to build a snowman and every sled that wants to go down a hill and all of that, um, that's not narcissistic, is it? When I just say, I don't want anyone, as far as I'm concerned, all this snow should melt today. Am I being a narcissist? Uh, no. <laughs> I, no. I think I mean, it's kind of narcissistic to say that. But. I mean, I don't know. It's just, uh, <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine if you're, if your uh, granddaughter or grandson told you that they wanted to play in the snow, you wouldn't say. I would recount that. I would bring you back would. the snow. Yeah, it's just not in your experience right now. So I think that's totally fine. I but also, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I guess what, I, what I'm saying is whenever you say the hell with everybody else, that's too self-indulgent. Oh, I see. That, that was my point. I, I see. I, you know, I failed to make these points with you lately. So I well, think that sounded more like a hypothetical because <laughs> you clearly can't control the snow melting process. But um, yeah. So, uh, Lauren, oh, do you know what time it is? Oh, again, we're doing this? It's the self-coaching pep talk of the day. And today's pep talk is self-care. You know, Lauren, the Dalai Lama once said, did you know the Dalai Lama and I are close with tight? And and he once told me, man sacrifices his health in order to make money. And then he sacrifices money to recuperate his health. So today, Treat yourself like you matter. Make the time to exercise. Prepare good, healthy meals. Connect with friends and family and do something fun. Relax. Come on, get your priorities straight today and avoid playing catch up tomorrow. What do you think of that, Lon? I love it. That's really good. Um, You know, you're being very unselfish. Did you have any closing words, my my favorite daughter? And she is my favorite daughter. Mm-hmm. I won the title. Um, I do actually have a closing word, which is I think that one way we can truly give of ourselves in the world is to give by being, not necessarily by doing. And in order to be who you are fully, you need time to self-care, self-love, and do all of the things that make you feel sustained and full so that's what I would say so I heard a story yesterday on a podcast by Pema Chodron who is a Buddhist monk and she told a story of people that were escaping from danger in the ocean on little boats so there were multiple little boats and people were frantic because they were being chased uh, by others and they needed to get to safety and she explained how if there was just one person on one of the small boats that was able to remain calm amongst the chaos it actually changed the vibration of all the other people around that person and so her 
message was if you can find it within yourself to locate your own inner calm, your own inner peace, which you do by restoring and rejuvenating, you can actually enter the world in a way that will have a massive impact on everyone you meet. So simply by allowing yourself to self-care without guilt and judgment, it will actually bring more good to you and to others than you could ever imagine. So that really is my closing message. All righty. So I want everyone to visit our self-coaching website. It's selfcoaching.net where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy and check out my number one best-selling books. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless, and you are not powerless. And remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren and me, and let's make it simple together. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart.